Hello and welcome to the Feminine Millionaire Show. I'm your host, Polly Alexander. I'm a success coach, healer, creative and future millionaire. If creating money and success in a spiritual and feminine way is your goal, this show is for you. Understand how to overcome your past, bring your soul's greatest gifts to the world and up-level your income, impact, joy and happiness. Join me on my journey to creating a seven-figure business and learn the business mindset, spiritual and lifestyle changes I make along the way. Let's all rise together. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Feminine Millionaire Show. I'm really excited to have today's guest on because I have actually personally been working with her and I've been witness and the grateful recipient of her incredible abilities. Her name is Reverend Meg and she is a minister, spiritual teacher, healer and psychic medium who's based in California but actually works with people all over the world. Much like Esther Hicks, Reverend Meg works with a group of non-physical entities to provide one-on-one support, online courses, guided meditations, and the Genesis program. And as an international spiritual coach, her focus is on spiritual evolution. Welcome, Meg. Oh, thank you so much. I'm equally as excited to be here. I'm super curious to see what comes up in our conversation. I know that spirit will be with us and your brigade, which we'll come on to. Yep, absolutely. There's three of them here right now. (laughs) Oh, who do we have here right now? Right now, we've got Cassandra, Paul, and Andrew, who is my fifth wheel. He hasn't been with me my entire life, but he is a fun and sassy entity, and we love having him around for as as long as he chooses to uh, stalk me. (laughs) Oh, well, whilst we're on this, tell me about who the others are that are in today. So Cassandra is my main guide. I call her my BFF. She's pretty much perched on my shoulder all the time, a bit like a pirate parrot, and it's fantastic. And Paul is my joy guide, what we like to call a joy guide. We all have a friendly little entity that helps us feel joy and tries to keep us in happiness, and that's Paul. And he projects as a seven-year-old boy, which makes it even better. He's a bit mischievous, which makes it all the more better especially me, I'm a bit of a rule follower. And so to have a mischievous energy around me is very nice. Andrew's the fifth wheel. He's been here for a few years and he sticks his nose into everything, but he he mostly likes to chat about business and such. So let's start at the beginning. Let's start by talking about how you awakened your incredible intuitive abilities. So have the brigade always been with you? Have your guides always been with you? Can you share with my listeners your journey? Oh, absolutely. And what's funny is I tell people, you know, 10 years ago, if you told me I would be doing this, I would have laughed at you because I was a very different person. But now that I'm here, it's interesting. I now know that I always knew. I always knew this would come around. And I had my guides around me for a very long time. When I was young, I spoke with them. I was aware of them. And over time, as I got older and started watching spooky movies and talking to other kids, I started to get really frightened of the energy, for lack of a better word. And 
embarrassed in a lot of ways. So I ended up cutting them off right around seven, eight years old. So as it turns out, when you have a purpose, it really is programmed within you. So trying to outrun it is like trying to outrun yourself. You know, you no know, matter where you go, oh, there you are. And I was way off track when I was younger. And I like to say that the, the universe very aggressively redirected me in my youth. And my entire life got flipped upside down in a matter of a week. And so I started experiencing these neurological disturbances, which realistically, they still, well, the doctor still couldn't really find an exact reason for these neurological disturbances. And kind of where the ball dropped is I blacked out driving on the freeway one day and I was going 70 miles per hour and I went completely paralyzed and I was completely conscious for this, which it might've been better if I blacked out because it was terrifying. And with that, that kept happening. So it set off this very interesting chain of events that led me to firstly losing my job because I couldn't even really function on a regular basis, then losing my license, then losing my apartment, just pretty much losing absolutely everything. And so I ended up, after all of this loss, gaining this little job in this little town in California called Encinitas. And one thing led to another, and eventually I started seeing Paul again. And I thought I was totally insane. I even went to a shrink whose response to me was, oh, my cousin sees spirits too. And here I was just expected a pill. Just give me a big pill that will take care of this so I can shut it off again. And so this job I ended up in quite accidentally, completely out of my industry, which was at the time cosmetics. I was an account executive in cosmetics and a makeup artist it was right down the street from where I am a minister. And I would have never found this church and because it hides. And so this completely random, I say laughing in my head job in this random, I say laughing in my head town right next to where I ended up finally landing to really professionally train to develop these gifts in a way where I would verify. Wow, <laughs> what a journey. And the thing that strikes me throughout that, it's like there's a thread, almost like a golden thread that's pulling you forwards in a certain direction. Oh, absolutely. And you really can't run from you. You know, you can slow everything down. You can make everything more painful, but you can't run from you. You can't run from your purpose. So you mentioned in that story that at one point you sort of knew you were supposed to be working or you knew you were supposed to be doing this work all along. At what point did you start to take that idea seriously? It took about three years for me to accept it. <laughs> I really was stuck in this place of who the heck am I? You know, I'm just some crazy blonde chick trying not to cuss all the time. I can't, you know, and even though I had been in leadership to some degree, really my entire life, I think I was 14, my first uh, supervisor job, which turned into a management job. But even then I didn't think I'm not a leader. I just help people and make things work. And it was when I finally became solid in my own truth that, well, oh, that's what leadership is, is just helping people make things work. It doesn't mean you're better than anybody. 
that's when I started to accept moving into spiritual leadership. And it's like, okay, well, I don't have to be some crazy, aggressive leader or anything like that, because I really couldn't be if I tried. It's, I can do this as me. I don't have to do this as anybody else. So take a deep breath and release fear on the way and just go. What do you think was the biggest thing you had to let go of? The biggest idea about yourself to let go? Oh my gosh. And it's so huge. So just a wee bit of context. I'm surrounded by a very, very American religious family. You know, most of my family are evangelicals or they're Mennonites still, which is like the slightly more fun version of the Amish or they're Jehovah's Witnesses. And then we have a small pocket of Catholics. Wow. What a mix. Right. And then my best friend, my first best friend in the entire world, my father is really a secular humanist. He's atheist. So one of the biggest things I had to leave behind was this extraordinary guilt of upsetting my family. And, you know, that's kind of attached to me being kind of the oldest local cousin in a very big family and being the responsible one, you know, you help the kids and you help your little sister and, you know, you lead by example and, oh my gosh, all this pressure to do everything, how the kind of the family would approve or be comfortable with. And so leaving that behind was probably the hardest thing. And are your family on board or connected with what you're doing now? Or did you just step away of their opinion of you? And you know, what's great. I think the funniest part about it is they're totally into it. (laughs) So there's, there's members of my family that are extended that I don't really, and never really have communicated with that are a bit nervous about it, but my immediate family and, you know, my extended family that I've always been close to my entire life, to be perfectly honest, they think it's really neat. And my mom was the most worried getting started, but that even smoothed over when I let go, when I let go of, I'm going to upset her because I found myself actually upsetting her in an effort to not upset her. And so as, as soon as I left her in charge of her own emotions and just expressed confidence in what I was doing, she was like, well, okay, this is it. And so now every once in a while, I'll get a text message from someone in my family asking Cassandra a question, which is always the best. I'll get texts and voicemails literally directed to Cassandra. They just bypass me all together now. That's brilliant. <laughs> It's to show, you know, the more accepting you are and the more loving you are of yourself, uh, you know, to some degree that really does spread out. And all of a sudden people outside of you are more loving and accepting of you. Why do we have such a fear of being seen as spiritual? A lot of it, I think, truly is connected to past life memory. Because chances are, if you're a a light worker, a spiritual person, a sensitive person of any kind in this life, you've probably done it before. And, you know, it was just a mere 200 years ago when we were, you know, tossing women over the sides of bridges for being witches, right? For being different, for practicing different spirituality outside of Christianity, especially in, in Western culture. And 
to some degree we're we're still grilled a bit, you know. People think we're we're wackadoodle woo-woo. And so our precious little sweet minds, you know, our our animal minds say we want to be part of this this herd. We don't want to be pushed outside of it. And so I think there's a huge fear component of being outside of the herd and or, you know, being tossed over the side of a bridge into water to drown. And so I think to some degree, every spiritual person has to move through that fear to to some degree and to be able to accept that no matter how accepting and loving you are of yourself, there's still going to be little mean curmudgeon people out there who are, who are going to want to verbally attack you. And, you know, the further along you get into it, it just, it gets kind of funny. You start seeing the mean curmudgeon people is, you know, three-year-olds throwing a, a tantrum because it really is that it is, you know, someone dealing with their own fear about spirituality and projecting it on you and then subsequently throwing a tantrum. So now every time someone has an outburst at me, I, I have to do my very best to give it a giggle. <laughs> you just see that three-year-old stamping their feet. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would love to zoom out and ask a bigger picture question with your guides. How is this time in history? I feel like we're living in such an extraordinary time. This in one way is one of the most exciting things to happen in many of our lifetimes. But how is the pandemic and COVID serving our evolution? Oh, my gosh. I love this question because I've gotten into it so many times with with so many of them. And one of my teachers that's most passionate about it is Running Eagle, who is not necessarily the most frequent flyer of the, the brigade, but he's a healing teacher. And it's funny, right as you started asking that question, he popped up and I'm like, ooh, what are we getting into? And he's so into healing. And what's great about this particular healing teacher is that he is very centric around harmony and not just the body or, you know, the, the, even the mind, but really the whole connection and so passionate about the evolution of the human collective. And so what he is getting into and he's showing me right now is essentially a very large body of people who have become complacent and bored. And then all of a sudden the earth starts shaking and now everyone's awake, everyone's aware, everyone's not complacent and bored anymore. And that's when everyone starts making changes positively. And he says that the onset of this global situation has shaken many people awake, as awake as one can be. And we must remember that one person's awakening as a Christian or one as a Muslim or one as a Jewish person or one even as a non-believer, they are all very similar, even though they may not have a religion, a spirituality to connect their awakening to. And so now we witness the entire globe feeling the same feelings at the same time going through the same situation at the same time. And this is unifying. Now, as much as it may have seemed that there was more division than unification, we must be able to see things from a bigger picture to see that all people were unified within the same situation at the same time. 
and experiencing the same disharmonization to heal. And so we had an entire globe that was feeling fear, that was feeling uncertainty. And so globally, we were all making strides towards healing this, for we cannot heal what lies deep, deep within us. It must in some way be shaken up, risen to the surface to, of our awareness for us to let go of. And so this has changed the vibration of the collective quite a bit. So much has been released and everything does feel a bit clearer. And so it's important for us to not focus on the division, but instead to refocus on the unification. This is why a great many sensitive people have become more attuned to their own gifts and their own purpose of helping the human collective evolve during this time. For they have been releasing fears and emotions that have laid latent within them for quite some time revealing their purpose to them during this time. Wow, thank you. Thank you. And it really feels like that more and more people are awakening. Right. I mean, it's been a really good couple of weeks with that new moon. <laughs> I'm generally quite busy, but I was a lot busier over the last two weeks with, with new, fresh faces of people kind of walking into that purpose of, counseling, coaching, healing, all of the above and getting more and more connected to spirit side. And it's just been so fun. And what a beautiful introduction they will have with you. I love the sense of fun that you bring and the lightness to your gifts. I would love to hear on like a personal level, how can we reframe what's going on in the world in a more empowering way? I've got to go back to a couple images I got at the, the beginning of the pandemic from Mr. Andrew. And the first image was an hourglass that had been flipped upside down, except for everything was going in slow motion. So there was so much space in between all the sand moving through the hourglass. And Andrew says it you know, it's space to move around. It's space to change things. It's space to access your deepest inner self. And we experienced that more so towards the beginning of the pandemic when we were all thinking we would just be shut down for about a month and we were twiddling our thumbs. But so much space to think outside of the daily crunch, that daily pressure of all those little grains of sand in time being compressed as they move through the hourglass. Instead, we were given all this space and to some degree it still exists to decide to change how we move, how we behave every day. And we don't often, especially in modern culture, have that opportunity. We are always running from one thing to another, you know, eating food in our car as we're driving to work. So to have that space, and even to some degree to have that space now is extraordinary because it's space for deeper thoughts and deeper planning for the future and deeper understanding of ourselves. So there's that. And then, of course, as Andrew showed, I think I've expressed this before, but he showed me an aerial shot as if I was looking straight down at a bunch of different freeways, highways, and 
they all have a particular destination. And so everyone is taking these freeways and he just showed all the freeways kind of crumble and flatten out. And so to some degree, one of the most positive things about this pandemic as unliberated as a lot of people got caught up in feeling like, oh, we're trapped in our houses, this, that, and the other. The overall effect, the big picture effect is that this thing really crumbled a lot of our structures, a lot of our social structures, business structure, job structures, career structures, and gave us a flat plane to work with to say, okay, I'm no longer obligated or seemingly obligated, of course, because of course we're never obligated to take this freeway to this particular destination. Now I have open land and I can go wherever I want. Now, what's great is that a secondary part of that message was that we could have been off-roading the entire time. We didn't have to be in the maze or on the freeway overpasses. We could have just been wandering around like in the bushes like Reverend Meg over here the entire time. So hopefully as we rebuild those structures, people still realize they're, they're no longer obligated to them. And so that creates a lot of confusion and worry, sure. But sometimes we need to have those emotions surface so we can see that we really can be free and go anywhere in this world. So it's, it's really cool the way it's broken down a lot of the structures that were restrictive, including the structures that were restrictive within the mind. Yeah, I love that. I just picture a blank canvas as you're talking. It's like a chance to kind of redesign. I resonate with what you shared about it being a reset. I think I definitely felt that, as you said, at the beginning of the pandemic, it was like, oh, wow, I can press pause on my life. Right. <laughs> it's like so needed. I was going so fast. And yeah, it was, it was like, I called it a sacred pause. It was so needed. And I just came back to myself and everything was on hold. And I've never experienced that in my life. Oh, isn't it dreamy? That, you know, to disrupt that go, go, go and to just, oh, okay. Totally. I feel like I've really slowed down as well through not being able to physically move around the world. That's given me a lot more time and space and energy freed up to heal, to read, to reflect, to go inwards, to question things. So I can totally resonate with what you shared. Oh, it's so valuable. It really, really is. And it's almost funny that, you know, a good portion of the world really needed the entire world to stop, to feel like we had that space to stop. And now I notice people stopping more, people taking their time more, people kind of now looking at that rapidly moving freeway and thinking, do I really have to be a part of that? Or can I manipulate time as I choose? And a lot of people are choosing to manipulate time as they choose. And that is just absolutely beautiful. After all, we made time up. We may as well manipulate it in our favor. <laughs> I love that. Any time bending tips you want to share? <laughs> It's funny because I just asked this exact question in a different way to Cassandra yesterday. So it's so funny that you asked this. And <laughs> her answer her answer was to slow everything down and be present. And she says, you will feel as if your day is double 
and that everything you're capable of will double as well. I love that. What we forget is that we not only have attachments to things and people, we more so think about that, our attachments to things, to people, to money, to you know whatever it may be. But we also have attachments to time and that really gums us up. And that's what that slowing down and moving into presence really does is it detaches us from time. Because if we're constantly worried about it and we're trying to force things when it comes to it and we're not in the present moment, that's when we really start allowing ourselves to be governed by time instead of governing time by being detached from it and being present. Mm, I'm definitely on that journey. (laughs) Oh, I think we all are, especially anyone in Western cultures or in cultures where there's a hustle. Yeah. Now let's talk about something really important. I know that's close to your heart. What is success guilt? Oh, gosh. So guilt, and you know, it's even funny. I didn't plan this either as this weekend in my second round of Genesis. Yesterday, we actually our module was success and guilt and fear. So it's just so perfect how things line up. So guilt is one of my life lessons. We all choose lessons and experiences to have in our physical lives. And well, apparently I just wanted a doozy. So one of mine was guilt. And so success guilt is extraordinary and it's so multifaceted, like a jewel you know, even being guilty about being successful. This is a huge one, especially amongst spiritual people. You know, they, they're givers. We're givers. We, we don't want anyone to have less and we want to take care of other people. And there's success guilt, like survivor's guilt. Like somehow we survived this money madness gauntlet. And now we're looking at other people trying to get through that gauntlet and failing. We feel horrible for being on the other side. So that's one of them. And it really does hold people back. You know, I don't want to be more successful because I'll make people feel poorly or I feel guilty about having more than other people. And that really is an attachment to the idea that there's not enough, that there's not enough money. And I mean, just like time, everybody, we made money up. It's make-believe, right? It floats through the air at hyperspeed and wire transfers. I mean, it's not necessarily always tangible these days. And so people will hold them themselves back from being successful because they feel guilty about their success, like survivor's guilt. Or this one's a really big one that comes up a lot too, is people will feel guilty about what they may have to do to become successful. And so that's my favorite type of guilt that I like to tease myself and others on is we get guilty about things that haven't even happened yet. So that's a, that's a big one too. What if I have to push people? Like I'm a salesperson, you know, what if I have to do this? And what if I have to hurt somebody on my way to being successful? And it's so latent that we don't even realize that type of guilt around success exists. So, and I would say it's especially prevalent in women oh absolutely so how do we go about to starting to move past this guilt because I've witnessed it can really hold people back when it comes to to shame and guilt you the first thing you want to do is to give yourself a lot of grace 
and to give yourself a lot of space. This isn't a healing process that we can, you know, flip on or off like a light switch or call into our lives like an Amazon Prime order in, in two days or under, right? It's deep, you know, and shame is really the beginning of guilt. And it's the beginning of every negative emotion we feel. And it's generally tied very deep into youth. And it has a lot to do with our neurology. And that's why, you know, my brigade will speak about a lot how awakening, how transmuting all the negativity in our life is really a biohack. You know, we really are freeing our spirit by understanding our animal. So we have to remember that guilt as it populates really is tied to our amygdala and how we store memories when we're in fight or flight. So that's why it's so important to give ourselves grace and to give ourselves space to not rush ourselves because we don't want adrenaline to be part of that process, right? Because it's just going to perpetuate that cycle. So it really is firstly about giving yourself grace and giving yourself the space to heal, not expecting yourself to do anything overnight. And the second is really to promise yourself that you're going to allow yourself to release any guilt. You know, you've got to really promise yourself. You got to look yourself in the mirror and say, Hey, we are going to do this. You are worthy of not having guilt because the way we are very accidentally programmed for the most part, no one's doing this on purpose, like an evil Disney villain or anything, but we are taught that guilt and shame are attributes of being a good person. And at, you know, if you do something wrong and you don't feel remorse, you don't feel guilt and you don't have shame, you're not a good person. So we hold on to the shame and guilt thinking this is part of what makes me a good person. And if I let it go, oh no, then that means I'm, you know, whatever, an evil Disney villain or a bad person. And so you have to promise yourself that you're going to release it and that you're worthy of being guilt-free to counteract that programming in youth that feeling guilty means you're a good person. And I mean, after that, it really is just about finding a modality for healing energetically that works for you, whether or not it's something as simple as, you know, EFT tapping or you know, white light healing or working with a practitioner to help you move that juju out of your system and being willing to ask your guilt what messages it has for you before you release it. These emotions have messages for us and they'll usually take us all the way back into youth where we can uproot the programming where it began. How old were you when your guilt began, would you say? Oh my gosh. So that my first memory, this is such a that I just like was transported through time <laughs> with that question. <laughs> so it may have occurred before, but this is the first memory I have was when my little sister joined me at preschool, when she was old enough to join me at preschool, which was, it didn't take very long. You know, I wasn't in there for maybe a year before she popped in. We're only 17 months apart, Irish twins, as they say. Mm-hmm. and. She did something wrong. I can't remember in my memory exactly what it was, but she did something against the rules and she had a bit of a tantrum. 
I was a very mellow and passive child, although quite energetic as well, but I was very passive. And I just followed the rules when I was little. And my sister wasn't like that when she was younger. She just kind of wanted what she wanted when she wanted it. Gotta love a Virgo. And they get it, you know, Virgos get what they want. But she did something wrong and she ended up kind of throwing a tantrum and starting a fight with somebody. And that is my first memory of feeling guilt because I had been told by not only my parents, but also my grandmother, who's one of my heroes, you know, well, you've got to take care of the the little ones, you know, you're the biggest. And all I could think was, oh my gosh, it's my fault. It's my fault that she did this thing wrong. It's my fault. She's tantruming. I'm going to be in trouble for this because this is my job. And that is actually my first, my first memory of feeling guilt. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. It's so powerful to hear how such a small incident so early on can begin like a ripple of a pattern through our life. Oh, yeah. And I think that's where we, in quotation marks, go wrong because we can't go wrong. We're just going. That's it. Please offer that grace to yourself. That's where we kind of take the long road is we're trying to find the the genesis of those patterns in our recent past when in reality they probably started when you know you were four, five, six, seven, eight, and you know, years old. hundred percent, hundred percent. I love to ask all my guests, what is true abundance to you? Oh wow, Cassandra just rang a bell in my ear very loudly for that one. So apparently she thinks her answer is better that would be better than mine, (laughs) which you know what? Nine times out of 10, I got to give it to her. It is. So the first thing she says is, well, she's giving me an image and she's giving me an image of just a group of people. And it almost feels like the holidays, like in a Hallmark movie, you know, where everyone's just sitting around and chatting and there's harmony and everyone's happy. And the first thing she says is satisfaction. Satisfaction is a sign of true abundance. And that is because in order to have true, full, complete abundance, one must detach from being dissatisfied. And you will notice that once we release our dissatisfaction and replace it with great gratitude, all of a sudden we begin to receive more and more and more. And we also confuse something. And I think this one will be fun for you. And that's why I'm bringing it up, you see, that as we move forward in our development, it's so important to remember that the craving for progress, the craving for evolution, the craving to walk up the staircase, to keep going, this isn't a sign of being dissatisfied. It is simply a sign of craving progress, which we do spiritually. That is all we do as spirits. We move into these bodies and we come back and return because we are making progress. It is what brings us the greatest amount of joy on either side. And so do know that if you crave progress, this does not necessarily mean that you are dissatisfied. But you must be able to look into the places in your life where you have dissatisfaction and to embrace the dissatisfaction, to not be upset with yourself that you have it, but to will your mind, your spirit to release it, to replace it with gratitude, knowing that this energy will attract to you more and more 
progress, more and more climbing, more and more true abundance. And so when one meets this point, even if they should have absolutely nothing in their pockets, they will feel truly abundant and they will have true abundance and therefore carry on in their lives to attract more and more of that vibration, of that energy. And so true abundance is satisfaction and how you grow past that point is entirely up to you. But I suppose it's also up to energy because once you reach that point, you can't help but to attract a great deal. Ooh, Ooh Lord. <laughs> did you hear that? I did. Who was attracting in a great deal then? Do you know what that was? It was an earthquake. It was an earthquake. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I thought it was, I thought it was um Papa. <laughs> you know, she has been known to make that much noise, but how magical was that? That oh a California. Gosh. California gave us a little earthquake. You know, you've lived in California your entire life when you're giggling when an earthquake happens. In your <laughs> you know, I actually, I actually was in California when I experienced my first earthquake. It was three years ago in the summer. And I was, I was so excited. <laughs> it is kind of exciting. Oh, and I got it. Oh, I got it. It's prompted me. I got to tell you. So the last time there was an earthquake I felt was really at the was right before the beginning of my awakening. It was right before I went paralytic. And it's when I met my ex-husband and it was my first psychic moment outside of childhood. It's so it was absolutely crazy. I had this insane moment of enlightenment where there was no thought. There was only complete awareness. And I knew that I was meeting someone very important to me because he really did catalyze a huge part of my awakening. He was a soul contract and it was just complete enlightenment. And then once that moment ended, there was an earthquake. Wow. I love that story. So what's coming now, Meg? <laughs> the best, apparently. And here we are talking about shaking everything up and California says, yeah, here you go. <laughs> Beautiful. I love how spirit's always talking to us <laughs> in subtle and more dramatic ways. <laughs> like, I'll just push this tectonic plate aside real quick here. <laughs> Amazing. I love it. Listen, how can people find out more about you, Meg? What's the best place to hang out with you or find out more about your courses and programs? If everyone just wants to go to reverendmeg.com, there's a bunch of stuff up there to kind of go through. I've got a blog up, a woo-woo blog, as I like to call it, to just discuss some spiritual stuff, to answer some questions, some positive reading. And I've got the guided meditations up there and more to come, more to come. And you can read all about the courses and actually a little bit about me and my awakening process. And you can reach out through the site. And yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you so much for being such a wise and entertaining guest. Even <laughs> coming with special sound effects. <laughs> I know. I even brought an earthquake with me. Ooh. You are so powerful. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously thank you for everything that you have brought to my life over this past year I'm so grateful that you came into my life the readings have been a huge support to me and I just love the sense of fun that you bring to everything as well so thank you 
Oh, you're amazing too. You're a bright light in this world. And we just, we need more of you. We need more Polly. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here with us today. And I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Feminine Millionaire Show. I really appreciate you being here along for the journey and I love seeing your reviews and messages that you are benefiting from and being inspired by this podcast. They really mean a lot to me so thank you to everybody that sends me DMs and leaves reviews. If you would like something to do during your rest time this week that doesn't really involve any doing then I invite you to experience my success meditation. You can sign up for this using the link in the show notes or at polyalexander.com forward slash success hyphen meditation. This meditation has the power to release limiting beliefs in the way of you creating more success and making more money in your life and work. And actually, when we're in a deep meditative state, a deeply relaxed, restful state, this is actually one of the best places to manifest from so whilst you're resting why not open the channels to more abundance i hope you enjoy it and i am excited to be back with you again next week